Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? premiered on September 13th, 1969 on CBS. Let's put 23 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study, episode number 10. My name is Chris Lantine and I am your host and I am joined as always by the one and only Grimes! Yes, in the house. We This is an early morning podcast, a Sunday morning. It should have been Saturday morning because this is a Saturday morning cartoon. We really fucked that up. Well, you know, we're doing our best. Uh, our best is not good enough, but we are recording early on Sunday. I've got my coffee. Grimes, are you a coffee drinker at all? Well, as you know, I do the do. Oh, yeah. Are you, do, are, you, are you doing the do already today? I have, I have done coffee and do already today. Oh, my so. God. What time did you get up at? 6 o'clock in the morning or what? About, about 6.30, yeah. Fuck. So early you, riser. Do you guys have a like one of those Keurig things? We do. I just got one for Christmas. My mom got me one, and it is a fucking revelation. It is amazing. It is. It's. Um, I'm never gonna go to Tim Hortons again. It. You can save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If you're That's, a person who gets their coffee out. I usually, yeah, I, I usually would. The only thing is, I'll have to get like a a mug that I can take to school. I only have like the cool house mugs, you know. Where's your um, WFSE mug? I gotta get one. That's our old radio station for listeners. We're going. We're going too deep right now. We got Scooby Doo to talk about. We only got twenty three minutes. Where did you want to start with this? Well, let's start with one of the greatest television intro songs of all time. (laughs) Scooby Doo, -Doo, where are you? Uh, Yeah. So this was. I mean, it was written by. Let's see, David Mook and Ben Raleigh. And uh, this is the little quote I pulled from. Either a lot of these facts are either from. The Scooby Doo Wikipedia, it has like their their own Wikipedia. The the program does, mm-hmm. and the facts they had on this pilot were like staggering. <laughs> they had so much information on this pilot, so I tried to pull out the important stuff. But this was recorded by David Mook three days before the show's September thirteenth broadcast premiere, so they were really cutting it close. And Ben Raleigh, he also worked with like people like Bobby Darren. Uh, Nat King Cole, he was a songwriter, obviously. Uh, the Monkees, which you can clearly see in this work, you know, kind of that fun-loving spirit. And, of course, I pulled the Beach Boys out of it because I'm sure they were, their influence was being felt at that time as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, this pilot having taken place in 1969, it was a different world. And all the stuff that was going on um, influenced it, and I really liked it. Now... I guess I don't watch a lot of current cartoons, and this is the first cartoon that we've done for the show, actually. It is. Do they still have theme songs? Like, I know, does BoJack Horseman, that has a theme song. It does, but it's not like this. I don't know that there are lyrics to the BoJack song. Oh, I think it's, okay. it's like a mellow dubstep beat. <laughs> um, if I remember, I don't really remember it, but like Family Guy definitely has a song, um, Simpsons. Is that, that new one that you watched with... Uh... Bill Burr, did that have a theme song? It uses a classic rock song. Hmm. 
as its theme song. Gotcha. So no like actual written, no written theme song that they had to record for the show, which is I'm remembering it. Um, yeah, I think like I'm trying to remember back to like the last cartoons I saw. Like probably the last one that I remember that had a theme song was like uh, like Pow- Powder Puff Girls. Is that what is that what it's called? Yeah. I think that has a theme song, like Dexter's Laboratory. I think that's kind of the last generation. I don't even think Dexter's Laboratory had a theme song. So it's kind of unique to this. It's not unique to this era, but they certainly were doing it pretty well back then. And uh, I wish they would come back. Like, we, we need some sitcoms with full-out theme songs. Yeah, there aren't a lot. It's Now it's very short. If there is one, they usually don't have lyrics. Probably because the network. Big, Big Bang are... Theory has one. Well, of course, Big Bang. We're not. We can't compare every show to that. That's like comparing every song to Stairway, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like, like comparing every movie to Citizen Kane. You just can't right, do it. Right, Big. But when we do cover that, we'll talk about why it's the perfect show. But <laughs> so, <laughs> I think some people would argue it's the perfect sitcom for some reason for dumb Americans. It fits the formula. So the plot of this episode is called A Night for a Night. I think. <laughs> yes. That's a, yeah, Night for a Night, and. Uh, the basic plot is that Scooby and Shaggy, our stoner buddies, stumble upon a a suit of armor that is sitting inside, sitting in the driver's seat of a car, a truck that has been abandoned in the woods. And one of the little things that the Scooby Wikipedia pointed out is that the first time we see that truck driving down the road, there's no driver, so there's an error there. But anyways, they, so they find this suit of armor, they return it to this museum that it's supposed to go to, and then, you know, chaos ensues. I don't know about you, but... I didn't really know what the mystery was for a really long time. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure either. So the mystery is just that the guy's missing, right? Yeah, but I, it was, wasn't really clear who was missing. Right, uh, and how would they, just, his name was on, so the suit of armor comes in like this big box that's on the back of the truck, and the guy's name is on it, like this English professor um, that, oh, Scooby-Doo's afraid of England for some reason, we'll get to that in a second, <laughs> but... There's just the guy's name on it, and they automatically think he was in the truck, and he's now missing. That's what they base their whole mystery off of. It's they like, pull oh. these clues out of nowhere, and they always say, <laughs> wait, here's a clue right before it, like Blue's Clues or something. Yeah, so I guess that it was very strange, because what I remember Scooby-Doo as being very clear in like what exactly the mystery is. And what kind of danger they're getting into. And in this one, I didn't really know what the mystery was, and I didn't exactly know why they were breaking into a museum at night. <laughs> yeah, why are they always ending up in these places like museums, shipyards, like <laughs> cemeteries? They never end up in an open field. No, well, I mean, if we recap, this is basically what the episode is about a dog and a stoner walk home from a movie that they went and saw, apparently, in the middle of the woods. Right. They find this truck, and then they sneak into this museum for very minor reasonings, and then destroy millions of dollars of artifacts. They stumbling cause... upon, in the meantime, stumbling upon a multi-million-dollar art <laughs> counterfeit like scheme. Right. That's been happening for years, long enough that a secret room has been constructed. A staff has been employed. Right. So, spoiler alert: the <laughs> yeah, sorry. The mystery, like the mystery of the missing person, kind of gets solved. They find the English professor, but that's uh, that's after they stumble upon a very big like mystery they didn't they didn't intend to solve, and in that right. there's this staff that's like redoing paintings, 
and which people would catch on to way fast. <laughs> Especially they happened to just leave one off the wall that night that Scooby Doo and Shaggy broke in. <laughs> right. So they're redoing these paintings, selling them, which in the internet, without the internet, I'm sure they could pull off. And so they stumble upon that. Those people get arrested. You know what they don't say is, I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you and your dog. Yeah, that's not in this one. Not not in this one. I was very I was waiting for that like the, at the whole end part, and they never say it, and I was so disappointed. Um, so with the plot kind of wrapped up, again, it's only 20 minutes, so there's not really much. There's really only like three acts. There's Scooby Shaggy walking home with like them goofing around there is the whole crew and then they're at the museum Mm -hmm. that's That's it that's really that's i mean there's really only those three settings which is kind of funny when i assume some of the other episodes are a little more sprawling but uh what else did you want to hit on with this anything about the beginning before we get to the museum part um well i was keeping track of the scooby isms and the slang that like the show made popular we got a zoinks (laughs) we got um Fred calling everybody gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold on to your hula hoops from Velma. Does she say that a lot? She well, she always comes with these like weird, you know, like '60s product. Like, holy pet rocks! It's almost like the Robin <laughs> and Batman thing, but they're like working in stuff. I'm sure that was advertised on the show or something. It's weird. I, but I, I just, might not be that direct. But, I just yeah. watched the pilot to. Uh the old Batman series, the 60s one, and yeah. I cannot wait until we get to that one. It's it's, it's <laughs> fucking insane. It's great. So well, go, keep well, going, sorry. Weird. But yeah, no, other than that, I just wanted to like note, um, right away at the, from the beginning of the show, you start hearing the canned laughter, you hear the live like instrumental music soundtrack, which was really, I mean, a lot of work went into the shows in the, in the early days of TV because there weren't as many shows. Uh, yeah, I so like, I love the music on this mostly because it's so it's so well synced. It's real. With, yeah, it's so well synced with how they're like utilizing their setting. Like they'll zoom in, and there will be this orchestral swell that goes up, and I just think they're it's very very well matched to the movements of the characters, which at times can be for cartoons can be really crazy, you know. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I really like the music, but keep going. Yeah, the music. Yeah, and the music was great. Um, but that was it, pretty much, uh, well, from the top. I, I kind of want to go over their intro, because we always kind of touch on the intro of these characters in a pilot episode, and I actually think the intro of the characters in this uh, in this particular pilot is pretty flawless. We come in, we have Scooby and Shaggy, they're scared, they're the audience's way in, they're the kids' way in, that's pretty well set. But then when the whole group gets together, they not only give every single character a part to play immediately... They also have two strong female characters, which is kind of unique, I think, for the 60s, 70s, when there wasn't, like, any PC police, you know. Right, when Mad Men was real. (laughs) Right, yeah, coming after them. Um, So we have, first off, Daphne speaks first. It's very quick, but she speaks first. Fred speaks next, and he's the leader, obviously. We set that. He's closest to the vehicle. I really looked at, like, proximity in, in the scene. You know, who's actually going in the car looking for clues. Daphne's second in command, but she's the strong... She has the the real opinion on the case. She is, like, sticking her head in the car. I mean, she's getting in there and getting things done, which I really liked. And Velma is your second strong female character. They kind of use the stereotype of, okay, she's wearing glasses, she's smart, that's that's forgivable. 
she she knows about England, which means she's smart. <laughs> of course, just like a British accent. But I really like how the introduction was handled. I really like how they how they used proximity to the actual car to kind of establish like a pecking order. Like you have Fred in the front, um, Daphne second, Velma third, and then uh, Scooby Shaggy kind of hanging back or in line with Velma at least. So they're setting that pecking order already and who's kind of the most respected of the group, who you're supposed to side with. And, you know, kind of along with that, I, I had a little thing I wanted to pitch you, which is about like the serialization of television. So... Okay. Considering the fact that today we have serialized programming in almost everything, even cartoons, it's like Rick and Morty has a serialized story, right? So if we think about it, serialized programming has to rely on character evolution much of the time. I mean, there are plot developments, but you come back because characters are changing. Therefore, when you start the show, you have to place characters in positions the creators eventually want them to leave. There has to be evolution, right? Mm-hmm. But like a show like Scooby Doo, where it's just like one story and they kind of reset. It's like The Simpsons, right? One yeah. story they reset one story. You can come in immediately with these fully crafted, confident characters, confident writing. You can just come in as exactly what you want to come in as, and I think I think that's an inherent advantage to these like standalone type of stories. Whereas you don't have to plan for like, okay, at the end of the season, Scooby-Doo's not going to be as afraid. Right, so right. So we, we have to make him really afraid in episode one, so he builds to having a little bit of courage. <coughs> so I, don't, I liked that aspect of it. And obviously, both schools of thought have their benefits. I mean, serialized storytelling is very popular now. But I think there is a big difference, and you see it in this episode. Yeah, definitely in this episode. And that's one of the main benefits of animation Mm-hmm. Is that you could like The Simpsons has now been on for probably no joke thirty years. Right. I've I have no idea how many. I I know seasons and years don't always sync up, but I mean it's been around my entire life. So for it's, sure your entire life. Are they on season like twenty five or what are they on? I I have no idea. Didn't they? Just, but didn't they just Bart's cro- still ten? Right, and then they just cross like what episode number did they just cross the big one? Jeez, it's got to be... Was it like 500 or... I don't know. I have no idea. I'll I'll have to look that up. But anyways, you were saying that with animation, you don't have to deal with aging. Yeah, like these guys, you know, a lot of people like Seth MacFarlane or Matt Groening or anyone really with these big successful shows that are animated. How could you... There's no way you would watch real people do the same things for 30 years and get into dumb adventures. But because it's a cartoon, it's easy to suspend all disbelief with aging or Mm -hmm. like you lose track of how many things the simpsons have actually done right and i mean i think that also helps with like bringing in new generation of kids because although the animation improves you know if i was a father i would be able to introduce my kids to scooby-doo and it would not be that much different than the scooby-doo i watched in my youth because they have the formula they have the stumble upon a mystery um find a couple clues you know, fall over and, you know, crash into things and yeah. catch, Chase scene. Right, catch the villain basically because they knocked something over into them. Right? <laughs> yeah. Some some Rube, Rube Goldberg type of, you know, catching. And, and just to kind of illustrate that, the same guy, which I believe his name is Frank Welker, he played Fred for 14 different iterations of Scooby-Doo. 
Perfect. So, all the way from 1969 all the way up until 2010. This dude had a career playing Fred from Scooby-Doo. Right. He did a lot of other voice work. I don't want to, like, knock him down, but he played Fred through, like, these are just some, amazing. These are just some of the names. Where Are You, um, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries, the Puppy Hour, the Mystery Funhouse. He also played him on Family Guy. He uh, played him on Robot Chicken. He played him on Batman, the Brave and the Bold. (laughs) Mystery Incorporated is the newest one. Didn't they used to have, wasn't there a Scooby-Doo show where there were kids? I feel like that was a thing. Scrappy? No, well, that's like the little, that's like the smaller. That's the little dog. dog. There is a Scooby-Doo where they were kids. You're right about that, but I don't know anything about it, but I remember it. It's not the the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries, so let's see if we can find it right here as kids. Scooby-Doo as kids. A pup named Scooby-Doo, it's called. There you go. And, uh, yeah, there are children in that. Anything else? Uh, I mean, we're, pr- we're probably running out of time already, aren't we? Yeah, we have about two minutes left. Um, I got some Wikipedia notes. you want me to do those? Hit them up, because I got not a lot going on that we haven't covered, except okay. the drug stuff. I mean, there's a lot of... Ju- <laughs> It's obvious that Scooby and Shaggy are drug addicts that will work for Scooby Snacks. <laughs> well, let's hit on that right after this. Okay. We'll, we'll go a little over for that. So it's created by Hanna-Barbera. Obviously, that's a big name. Writers Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. Um, their original treatment was based in part on the Archie show, and it was titled Mysteries, Mysteries 5. And they had Jeff, Mike, Kelly, Linda, and Linda's brother, W.W., and their dog. The dog was originally titled Too Much. And uh, they, they were a band called the Mysteries Five, and they would solve mysteries afterwards. Huh. So that eventually turned into Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? They renamed the dog Scooby-Doo because they were inspired by Frank Sinatra's some kind of scat that he did, I think. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> at, yeah. The, at the end of Strangers in the Night. So they renamed him to Scooby-Doo, and yeah, it was pitched to CBS executives who approved it. And I guess everything else is kind of history. And one more thing I'll mention before we do the drug thing is that there is a really cool box set of the Scooby-Doo series. If you have kids, if you want to introduce them to it, it's like a big mystery machine, which, by the way, is the most gangster vehicle a cartoon has ever created. (laughs) I love the thing. It's like 50 bucks or something, and you get the mystery machine with like all 70 or whatever episodes from that original run. So it's a cool package, and if you have a kid... It would be a cool like birthday gift or something. So do the drug thing. What did you, I mean? Obviously, that's like a thing with Scooby Doo now. Like when they did the live action movie, like that's like I mean they joked about it in that movie. I think one of the scenes is there's like smoke coming out of the mystery machine. Yeah. And somebody opens it up and they're like grilling burgers. So they very much played on the fact that people saw this as like a stoner show. Well, yeah. First of all, it's 1969, so weed. I don't even think if it's illegal yet, it's like not a big deal. Right. They're always hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, the smoke, yeah, from more from the movies, but just like the way Shaggy talks and carries himself, he's a stoner. You can just tell, <laughs> and it's so cool that they got Casey Kasem to do his voice. Yeah, so Casey Kasem was a big radio guy at the time, right? He was until his death. He was basically, you know, at one time in radio, it was him, Imus, and Stern. Those were like your three. Guys, so then, would Ryan Seacrest voice Shaggy now? <laughs> he would, I guess, if you follow. I mean, I'm sure he would anyway, because he apparently doesn't know how to say no to anything. But, right. 
but yeah so the drug stuff i don't and it just seems pretty clear that like you have the jock there with fred daphne's the airhead velma's the nerd but they're all kind of just like okay with it they don't seem to mind that Sh shaggy and scooby are just baked out all the time probably <laughs> on mushrooms sometimes like so that's why they want to always look at museums and go on hikes and do like stuff that would be cool if you were hallucinating what if they what if at the end of the series it was revealed that scooby and shaggy were in a mental institution the whole time and these like adventures they went on were just these acid trips that they continually embarked on Right. So it was like this real sad, depressing ending. It's just them sitting alone in a white room. Like, what is a Scooby snack? Why don't they ever say? Well, it's either a mushroom or it's just a dog treat. I, I would hope it's a dog treat, but I... I think it's edible marijuana or edible, <laughs> like, mushroom treats that they make now. I'm sure they made them in the 60s, too. But... Can, can I ask you a weed question? Sure. So, this is like, I, we're going over now, but we, we're done talking about Scooby-Doo, we're on to the NFL. So, there was this guy that, on the Patriots, I don't know if you heard this news, but apparently he had some synthetic marijuana, and it like, made him go crazy, and he was like, he had, had his shirt off, and he was like, praying in oh, front of a yeah. police station. This yeah. guy from the Patriots, right? So, what's the difference between synthetic marijuana and regular, <laughs> regular weed? Well, regular weed would never make you do that, first <laughs> of all. Um, in my clinical research and anecdotal evidence, never have I flipped out or anyone who's used... Like, the synthetic stuff is just that. It's made to feel like the effects of marijuana, but not show up on a drug test. So you have people putting random stuff... It's like the equivalent of cutting cocaine and heroin with like baking soda and bleach uh. it's like they take what is good and put all this bad stuff with it and then you get these outbursts and reactions almost to the point of like a pcp trip or something so, so it could be like marijuana laced with like some kind of hallucinogenic yeah, it's basically. like it's like a fake synthetic way to make try and make thc which mm. is the chemical in marijuana that gets you high so they get close sometimes and then they used to sell that like when i lived in california you could buy synthetic marijuana at like 7-eleven over the counter wow um and i think even in like pa you could for a while it's like called spice or k2 or something um i never tried it because i mean i'm not that desperate i would just drink a beer but when when marijuana is legal in the entire united states that would be the perfect time to bring scooby-doo back as a dark <laughs> adult reimagining <laughs> I wish the movies would have been a little more adult oriented. I know they were the candidate stuff, but I don't know. I like they cast it well too, but yeah, they went way too goofy with it. Who is the guy that played Shaggy? He was really good, I remember. Lillard. Matthew Lillard, Lillard, yeah, yeah. And then they had like Freddie Prince Jr. That was Freddie Prince. Perfect, and, yeah. That was Freddie Prince and uh Sarah Michelle from Buffy. And that that they look like Fred and Daphne, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They so should have had Anyway, they should have had Zoe Deschanel as Velma. But. <laughs> well, I don't know. Linda Cardellini is pretty. I'll take her in literally anything. So she could be in uh, the new Transformers movie, and I'd probably show up to see it. So, any, anyways, um, our last episode of Monster Hunter Month. This is the third. We did X Files, Buffy, now Scooby Doo. But the last one's going to be a, a uh, listener's choice. So right. we're, we're going to post a poll. Um, it's probably already up by the time you guys are listening to this. But if you want to, go ahead and go vote on that. I'm still kind of deciding what exactly is going to be in the poll, but I know Hannibal is going to be one of the choices. 
and I'm gonna try to try to pick a couple other monster hunter type of shows. No, nothing that we can... too scary for your boy Grimes. Uh, the first episode of Hannibal isn't <laughs> scary, so you 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 should be good on that one. Maybe a little bloody. I'm down with blood. I just I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll come up with a couple in the last, basically the last of every one of these theme months is gonna be some kind of poll that. It's going to be a reader's choice of sorts. So if you guys want to vote on that, look out for that. And, uh, of course, we appreciate all the listeners. Definitely. Thanks for listening. Get out the vote. Get out the vote. Uh, feel, <laughs> feel, feel the burn. Uh, feel the burn. Rock <laughs> the vote. Um, vote or die. Right. What's the? Is there a new one where they're trying to get high schoolers to vote? Oh, yeah. I don't know it, but is that a good idea? I, I don't know. It's Bernie, so he's trying to get the, the youth voters Oh, like if you're already 18, but you're still in high school. Right. That was actually my case. I got to vote when I was in high school in the primaries. I got. Do you remember kids voting? I was honored. Yeah, we all voted because if like you could skip school, it was awesome. Yeah, there was like this program called Kids Voting, and I remember that. Again, we're off track. My my brother, it was the first. It was George Bush against Al Gore, and my brother Mike. He was like 10 or something, and I voted for Al Gore, and our family's pretty democratic. And my, my brother voted for George Bush, and I just remember him being so upset when he found out that that guy was the Republican. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Okay, so let's wrap this up. This has been Pilot Study episode number 10. My name is Chris Lantine, and I'm joined by Grimes. Thank you, Grimes. No problem. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week.